Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's Impact Cyber Church, where you go to church with the whole wide world. Well, they're, they're really not, all, the whole wide world's really not going to church with us, but let me say this. People all over the world right now are connecting with God at the same time you are. You know, that's just so incredible. And I keep getting testimonies from different parts of the world, and all over the world, people are opening up. All over the world, new People are, uh, our networks are requesting our broadcast. Got a request yesterday from two big international networks that want our broadcast. You know something? We are changing the way the world sees God. We're going to raise up a billion disciples that follow Jesus. They don't follow religion. They, they don't follow a man. They don't follow me. They follow Jesus. They learn how to be disciples of Jesus. And this month, one of the things that we're talking about is so incredibly important. We're talking about bringing your faith to life. Now, I'll tell you, when some people hear any idea about faith, they want to run and scream. But let me tell you something. Today is going to be something really impractic, really practical. It's going to help you get off the diving board here. Hey, I've got a great download for you this month. All the evidence you need. You say what that's about? I'll tell you what that's about. That's about gathering the evidence to persuade your heart to believe God for whatever you need in your life right now. Listen, download this right now. It's my gift to you. Today we're going to be talking about something that I think is going to be incredible for your life. We're going to be talking about what I call closing the gap. Like I said, there is this monumental gap between what the Bible promises us and what most people are experiencing. Now, most of you have known me long enough. If you've been following my ministry for very long, you know I am willing to talk about the difficult things. I'm talk willing to talk about the things that really so many people in ministry are uncomfortable talking about because, you know, some, sometimes in our own lives, we're struggling with issues that makes it hard for us to, to give answers or solutions to other people. You know something? If I'm struggling with it, I'm just going to tell you I'm struggling with it. If I have struggled with it, I'm going to tell you I have struggled with it. And if I've found a solution, I want you to know that solution isn't going to be just a whole lot more information. That's, that solution is going to be something that I have found out how to make it work in my life. Now, you know this, and I teach you this all the time. Just because I got it to work in my life a certain way does not mean that's the exact way it's going to work in life. I can bring you truth. I can give you, I can give you all the information you need. I can lead you down the path. Like I tell people, I can, I can lead you right up to the door of experiencing something as real in your life. But once we get to the door, I, I have to leave, and, and it's between you and God at some particular point. So today, we're going to answer some of the tough questions. We're going to answer some of the questions that people try to dance around, that people make up goofy theology and, and, and nonsensical, conflicting theological ideas that confuse the body of Christ. We're going to talk about the, this gap that exists between what the Bible says, what the Bible promises, and what we are experiencing. Now, here's the crazy thing. Everybody knows there's a gap, but everybody's handling it or trying to fill that gap in various ways. And sometimes the way we try to fill in that gap between what the Bible promises and what we're experiencing leads us down a road to unbelief, self-destruction, uh, really abandoning 
uh, the benefits of the cross. Now, you know, not, not too long ago, and I'm almost hesitant sometimes to tell stories about emails that I get because I'm not trying to attack the person that sent me that email, uh, but I'm trying to tell you a, a real-life story. But, you know, just recently I got an email from someone, and uh, they made a comment about, about one of my posts on Facebook, and I, I, you know, I put a post back, and I said, you know what, either, either you really didn't understand my post or you don't understand the terminology that you're using. And after a little while, you know, I got an email back and this person was just saying, look, I, me and my wife have gone through this and we've gone through this and we've gone through this. And in fact, what he was talking about was, was his wife having, I believe it was three miscarriages. And, and, you know, from his position, and I understand it, from a position of being hurt and uh, having disappointment. See, that's what that's that's where you're in the gap. Here is what God promises. Here is what I'm experiencing, and I've got to do something to fill up that gap because I can't live with uncertainty. I say I, I'm talking about all of us. We can't live with uncertainty. We have to come up with what we think are answers to pacify us so that we have some kind of uh, mental and emotional stability. Now, the thing that that person didn't know, first of all, is that I, I myself have lost two children, one by miscarriage and one, one full term. I, I know those sorrows. I know those heartbreaks. And, you know, I, I have fought battles for my life. Most of you know this. I've shared my testimony. You know, I've been, I've faced incredible disease. I've faced automobile accidents. I've had things happen that, that got me close to death. Many times should have died. I mean, I'm talking about since I've been a believer. And, and the one thing that I've learned to do is I cannot change what God's word says just because of my experience. Because the Bible says, let God be true and never man a liar. Now, that sounds harsher, I think, than it really means. But if, there, if, there's a, if there's a difference in my explanation of how something is happening and God's explanation, then I'm, then I'm the liar. I'm the, one that's not, I'm the one that's not seeing the truth. I'm not telling the truth. I'm telling my experience. And my experience is true to me. It may be my truth. It's not God's truth. And so... The Bible is filled with exceeding great and precious promises. In fact, one of the differences between the Old and the New Covenant is the promises of God. And I'm telling you what, uh, so many people are abandoning the promises of God or have never connected to the promises of God because they look at their life and it's like, I don't see this in my life. I don't see this working out in my life. So we abandon the promises because of our experience. You see, we shouldn't be trying to bring the Bible in line with our experiences. We shouldn't be defining, interpreting, explaining the Bible based on our life experience. The Apostle Paul said, we don't preach ourselves. We don't take our life and, and our experiences and make that the standard of truth. We don't measure God's Word and the validity and the, the faithfulness of God's Word based on our experiences. See, people of faith, and I'm not talking about crazy faith, and one of the things, you know, that this, that this uh, uh, person said, and I understand where they come from, said, you know, you're just one of those guys that, that, that just, you know, I don't remember how he said it, kind of like a, he didn't say these words, sort of like easy believism. You know, let me tell you something, believing's not easy sometimes. Believing's not easy when the circumstances are lined up against you. Believing is not easy when to the one hand you're looking over and the, the Bible says this should be what your life uh, is, or is happening in your life. And you're, but you're looking right here and saying, but this is where I am. And it's not even close to that. 
But see, at some point, we've got to look, we've got to stop looking here and we've got to say, okay, that's what the Bible says. And we've got to look to the future and say, do I choose a future? Will I bring my life in line with this? You know, when I got healed of a congenital kidney disease, like I, I, and some of you have heard me tell this story. People were getting physically healed under my ministry. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, well, why would God do that? God wasn't the one that was making those choices. Me and the people I was ministering to was making those choices. Because when I would preach the word and they would determine to believe the word, then from that point on, it had nothing to do with me and them. It had to do with them and God. And see, so as ministers, uh, we, if, if we're wise as ministers, we're pointing people to God. We're bringing people God's truth and always encouraging them to connect with God instead of trying to connect with God through us. But I, I can tell you what, I can remember the day I sat in my bed after, after uh, years of operations and years of hanging on uh, to life by thread at times. And I can remember sitting there saying, this is what the Bible says is mine because I'm in Jesus. This is what I'm experiencing. Which one? Which, which one will be my truth? Which one will I choose to believe? You know, when, when Jesus or, or when Isaiah a asked the question in Isaiah 53, where it tells about the great exchange that took place on the cross of Christ, which includes physical healing, emotional healing, which includes salvation, which includes righteousness and all of all the aspects of, of what we get when we get born again. You know, he says, who has believed our report? Well, at some point we've got to say, no matter what I'm living, God's report is true. And if I never live it in this life, I will not deny it. You know, I will admit that I'm not living. I will admit that I don't have it working, but I will also admit that it is true, even though, even though it's not working and I don't understand. I'm going to tell you, until you get that place, to that place right there, then you are not at the place of immovable faith. And you want to be at the place of immovable faith. If you are not immovable, movable about God's character, about God's integrity, then, then when you start trying to fill in the gap between God's promises and your life experiences, then you're going to go somewhere destructive. So let, just let me ask you this. Are there promises that you absolutely know are in the Bible? You absolutely know. You're convinced that they belong to you. Now, it's a whole different story if you're looking at those promises and say, well, you know, that's probably not for me. I remember I had a guy one time that that came to my, my local congregation, and uh, man, he, he loved my preaching. I'd preach on the promises of God and how good God was. And he would say, oh, that's true. He said, but you know, it's not true for me because, you know, God has ordained me to go through this type of suffering. It's like, no, God has it. You see, I'm not talking about if you're at that problem where you're not sure those promises are really for you just because you're in Jesus, that's a whole nother issue that you've got to work out. And we'll be talking about that through this series. But if you're looking at that and saying, I know that should be working in my life and it is not, it's not manifesting, then the question is, what are you doing right now to reconcile that problem? What are you doing to answer the nagging questions that are going on inside you? Because I want to tell you something, it's right here in standing in this gap between the promise and the manifestation. This is where you set your life totally off course or you anchor yourself in God's promise, God's word, God, Jesus finished work. Listen, I'll be right back. Don't go away. You want to get into this.
I've got a great series for you this month that has already helped thousands of people. It's called Wisdom for Healing. Now, it's not just about physical healing, even though that's a part of it. It's about getting the wisdom of God, the practical application in every situation to know how to walk right into your miracle. And you know what? This month for you, we've got a special prize. So be sure and check this out, Wisdom for Healing. Get the wisdom that you need to take the next step and the next step and the next step to walk into your complete destiny and all that God has promised you. All right, here we go. Now listen, so many people find themselves in this place. Don't beat yourself up. Don't condemn yourself. And, but don't condemn God. You know, the book of Job is such an interesting book. And, and uh, I've taught on the book of Job for years. Matter of fact, many people have taken my series about from the book of Job, where, you know, good things happen, why bad things happen to good people, a, a study of the book of Job. Many people have taken my series on the book of Job. And they've written books from it uh, based on, the fact that, first of all, most of the doctrine that we take out of the book of Job is, is totally incorrect doctrine. Because you have 30-something chapters where Job and his friends are complaining, and they're presenting their theories. They're presenting their defenses. You know, his friends are presenting their religious explanations about why Job is going through stuff. Job is presenting his defenses to try to protect himself. And then finally, after I think about 38 chapters, finally God asked Job, he says, look, will you condemn me that you might remain righteous? In other words, are, are, are you going to make it look like you have totally done your part and I have failed you? And that's where most people go. There is something in us that needs to be right. We, we lose our sense of security if we're not right. You know, we're protecting our ego because we live out of our conscious minds. We don't live out of our heart. And Christ lives in our heart. He speaks in our day. He doesn't speak in your mind. It can get to your mind. And I know many people argue with me about that. He speaks in your heart. And if, and if you're being led by your heart, then what you hear in your heart, you ultimately will hear in your mind. And you know, one of the ways you can be sure that most of the time it may not be God that you're hearing in your mind that you think is God is when it doesn't come out right. If it doesn't come out right, that's the test of whether or not you heard from God. And that's when you've got to own it. But again, we are afraid to own those kinds of th things. We're afraid of being wrong. We're afraid of missing God. So most people attempt to close the gap between the promises and their experiences in a way that justifies th them or that delivers from personal responsibility. Now, I want to tell you something. Man, there is a movement. I mean, the church, not just in America, but around the world has gone, they're, they're either completely legalistic or completely liberal. And, you know, the legalists look at the liberals and say, man, they're all going to hell. Look at, look at how, how they're living. The liberals all look at the legalists and say they're denying Jesus. And, and, and both of them are, both of them are wrong. Both of them have certain truths that are, that are, that they've gotten hold of. But, but both of them are absolutely wrong. But I'm going to tell you something. Today, we are being flooded with a, with, with a liberalism that does not accept the authority of God's word. It does not accept the authority and the nature and the character of God's name. That does not accept the testimony of Jesus as the final perfect interpretation of everything that God ever said and ever intended and, and, and as the definitive model, definitive model of God's character. And so, so we're, we're living in a time 
when nobody wants personal responsibility. And that's why the governmental styles of the world are moving away from anything that makes people responsible. See, this isn't something that's just happening in the church. This is something that's happening in the entire world. This is the times in which we live. And as and you've got to understand this. You can never have personal freedom beyond your willingness to accept personal responsibility. And that's a biblical concept. And when you begin to, when you look at the parables where Jesus taught the parables or when, or when you even just, just look at the gospel as a whole, personal responsibility is one of the constant threads woven through Jesus' teaching and really through all of the Word of God. And so people want to find some way to explain away this gap without ever having to take personal responsibility. Now, theologically, some people came up with, somebody back there came up with, a, with this doctrine of dispensational. In this dispensation, God did this and he did it this way. And then in this dispensation, God did this and he did it this way. And then in this dispensation, he doesn't do what he did. Let me tell you something. That's nothing but a bunch of unbelief gone crazy. Because in order for that to happen, you'd have to say that God is changing. I got news for you. God is not evolving. God is not changing. God's word doesn't need to change to fit society. Society needs to change to fit to God's word. There's, there's no such thing as dispensations wherein God changes. God, remember the logos, the Greek word for logos, for the word of God, is, is something that basically means that every word that God has ever spoken uh, has to be taken together. It can only be understood if you take all of it together. So God has never changed. And the moment you come up with any kind of doctrine that says God changes, then God's word is no longer absolute. You are now into, into a, a relativism uh, and, and there's no absolute truth. There's no absolute morality the minute you come up with any kind of concept that says God has changed. Now, some people would say that it's, it's, that it's not God's will to do whatever it is that you need. Well, if it's a promise of God, let me ask you this. First and foremost, how does that line up with the name of God? Because we're supposed to be able to take the names of God and understand God's true nature and character. And there isn't a name of God where it says, I don't want to heal you today, or I don't want to heal you on some days, or I don't want you to have peace sometimes, or I'm going to put the devil on you sometimes. God doesn't have a name that means any of that. God has names that says he's the God of peace, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God has names that says He is our righteousness. God has names that says He's our health and healing. God says names that says He's our provider. But He doesn't have names that says uh, Jehovah, the one that makes you do without. So, so you can't explain it not being the, you know, you know, it's not the will of God if based on the names of Jesus. And since Jesus is the perfect example of God, how do you explain the fact, for example, that Jesus healed every person that came to Him? Well, you can't get around it. You know, of course, some people would say, well, here's the deal. You're in sin of some kind because you're in sin. It's blocking God's blessing. Well, how many people did Jesus ever say, now look, I want to pray for you, but before I pray for you, we've got to deal with all the sin in your life. Not one time. Listen, I've done crusades in Africa and, and the Philippines and other places and, and, I've, and I've seen phenomenal healings take place in people's lives and I remember I was doing a, 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 a crusade once and, and a, a man came where he had just sacrificed a chicken to the devil and he still had the blood all over him. 
and he came down after hearing the gospel and he got healed. Then he got saved because he got to see how good, how great God was. He just believed the truth and got saved. I've seen that happen hundreds of times. And people who have reached the world in far greater capacity than I have, have seen it happen thousands of times. So I can't, I, I can't explain that sin is, is keeping you from getting healed unless it's condemning you, unless because, because you don't believe and that God can love you when you have problems. So, so really, none of this comes together, see? How, how do you explain these, these miracles that people see all the time? Well, some people say, look, here's what it really is. You just don't have enough faith. Well, faith is a gift. Well, then some people say, well, if faith is a gift, then you should always have enough faith every time. You do have enough faith, but the question is, are you activating your faith? See, we most of us live in what I call circumstance theology. One of the greatest threats facing the body of Christ today is what the Bible calls private interpretation, where we subjectively interpret what the Bible says, therefore, we are, sub, we, are, we are subjectively interpreting who God is. We're creating an image of God in our own mind, which is, which is idolatry. When you, when, you, when you create an image of God that's not based on His Word as presented in the life, the teaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then you created an image of God, a false image of God, and, that, and that's idolatry. And so, so we create... This circumstance theology, we create a theology that justifies our circumstances and condemns God, diminishes His Word, and ultimately alleviates us from all personal responsibility. Or if you're a legalist, then you just condemn yourself somehow. You know something? Why would the Bible talk about activating our faith if faith just worked independent of our choices. Why would the Bible talk about the gap between believing something and it manifesting? And Jesus taught that when he taught about faith. He said, if you, if you believe you have something now, it will manifest in your life. So you see, there's this tremendous gap between activation or between, between information and activation. And most people in that gap afraid or ignorant of how to take the steps to activate it. But listen, come back in just a minute. I'm going to walk you down that path. Wisdom for Healing is one of those great series that's going to help you know how to walk out every situation that you're facing. It's an eight CD series and got a great special for you this month. You want to have this. This is going to help every area of your life. You know, we're always talking about the fact that we're changing the way the world sees God. And one of the ways we do that is through Operation One Billion. Through Operation One Billion, we are raising up schools all over the world and publishing material all over the world to train people and establish people in this new covenant truth. I got three pictures I want you to look at. You'll see a picture right there of a man in Pakistan holding the gospel of peace. And we are in the process of having that translated into their language so the gospel of peace will, will flood Pakistan. And then we've got some pictures from Tanzania uh, of two different situations where people are going through Impact International School of Ministry through the thumb drives, the Bible school in a box, uh, the, the pads that we send over, all of these ways that we have for training people. And you know what? That's happening because our world changers are saying, man, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to invite you to come to our website, check out becoming a world changer with us. Help us change the way the world sees God. Help us start Bible schools all over the world and reach a billion people.
Now, this is what we call our mentoring moment. It's going to be a little different than usual, but before I jump into that, just let me remind you, be sure right now, if you haven't already, click the like button so that you'll uh, send this uh, video to hundreds, if not thousands of other people. And at the end of this, just stay just for a couple of seconds and be sure, if you're watching this on YouTube, to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That'll help us reach more people than you imagine. The rest of you can just send links or emails to people about what we're having and how much it'll help it. Now listen, I want to talk to you now just about the activation process, the process whereby we activate our faith. You know, faith is, is, is almost, the Bible presents this concept like faith is in us, but but there's something that we have to do to cause faith to come alive. And the book of Philemon is the clearest place where it talks about this. And we've already been reading Philemon. I'm gonna, we're going to go, we're going to look at it again, and, and we're going to go deeper and deeper in this every week. He says that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Of course, last week we talked a lot about that, but I just, I just want to walk you through this. Let's talk about this. That the communication, that comes from the word communion, and the word communion is where you share something in common. So he's telling us that we share something in common with Christ, and we participate in that with our faith. So he says that the sharing of what you have in common by faith may become effectual. In other words, to become effectual, this is where it becomes activated. And I've mentioned this to you before. This is where our faith and Jesus' faith joins together. Jesus obtained all of the promises of God by his faith. That's why we call it a finished work. We share in those promises because of our faith, because we believe what he did for us. So he says, so he says that when we share, when, when, when we share in what we have in common with Jesus by our faith, it says our faith becomes effective or it becomes activated. How? It says by acknowledging, and that acknowledging is not just to say those words, but it's to, to say those things, acknowledge all these good things that we have in us because we're in Jesus but we have to experience what we're acknowledging. Now, you see, a lot of people took the confession message back in the 70s and 80s and just made it something really stupid, which was just to, de to deny reality, and that was supposed to be a, a confession. That, you know, that was the name it and claim it, grab it and stab it movement. But a faith confession is where you're acknowledging, you're saying a truth that God says about you because you're in Jesus, but you are internally through your mind, your imagination, through the ability to see yourself or project yourself into that situation mentally. You're, you're saying that and you're connecting to that reality as if it exists right now. So it's not enough to acknowledge the good things. I thank you, Father, that I am healed because I am in Jesus. I thank you, Father, that uh, you are my uh, Jehovah Rophi, the Lord God who heals me. I thank you, Jesus. You know, no. You know, when, when you, if you're dealing with healing, when you're acknowledging healing, the question is, what are you experiencing on the inside? Because now, now this is not where you're just making something up to experience what you want to experience and God becomes what you experience. No. This is where you're taking what God says and you're aligning your experience. You're bringing your emotions, your thoughts, everything, everything inwardly about you. You're bringing it in line with what the Bible says as yours so that you experience it. When you start experiencing these good things, so you already share them. 
you know, we're, we're in communion with Christ. That's what it means to share something in common. We share everything that he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. But we activate that when we acknowledge it. In other words, when we acknowledge that is our truth, but we experience what we're acknowledging. Now listen, between now and next week, I want this to be, I want this to be your practice. I want you to take promises of God. I want you to say them about yourself. And I want you to imagine and emotionally experience them being real in your life. And next week you'll be ready to take the next step. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.